the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Welcome again to the Believer's Journey. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I think we're going to have a really nice program. Uh, With me I have Sean Carter. And Sean is the executive director and the founder of Project 1027. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that. Our, our topic today, our biblical topic, is going to be on the Good Samaritan. And I think we'll have a really cool discussion there. So you may want to really make sure you hang on for that one. Anyway, uh, welcome, Shane. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. So uh, let, me, let me read a little here what you have. Um, it's easier for me to read this. Than sure. So, uh, as I said, you're the, the founder and the executive director of Project 1027. That comes from Luke 1027, correct? That's correct. Okay, from the scripture. And um, what uh, 1027 does, it, it focuses on providing one-on-one Christ-centered uh, care for people in need throughout all the community, right? Right. And and from what I'm understanding, it's, it's uh, needs for all kinds of areas of life. Right. Go ahead and explain that. Well, we're really, really focused in on senior adults, Alan. We're focused in on senior adults that are lonely and living at home. Um, in many cases, they are uh, unable to drive anymore or they have limited transportation. And so we have recognized and identified that loneliness is really a pandemic in America, particularly in our uh, senior population that are, that are homebound. And so we have uh, used that as an opportunity to connect with them in many different ways. Uh, we uh, make first contact with them by telephone generally, and then we uh, try to develop a friendship with them. And then as trust builds, uh, we know that uh, trust moves you know, slowly, and so that takes some time to build trust. And then we start showing up at their house when they're available and open to that, and we meet with them, and we just uh, find out what's going on in their life and how we can be of help. And that's really kind of the way we make first contact with these senior adults. So one of the things on your website, it says that you establish a one-on-one relationship. Now, when you talk about uh, dealing with senior adults, uh, do, you, does, do they have a particular person that they connect with all the time, or do you have just different people? Well, we do have a number of volunteers that help me, but primarily they connect with me. And so I usually am the first contact to go meet with them and to visit with them and to develop that friendship with them. And then I have some other volunteers that will come along beside me and behind me to make additional visits to the home, uh, to make phone calls. Uh, we also have a number of volunteers that help us by sending cards and letters in the mail, which is really important for them to, you know, senior adults love to go to the mailbox every day and getting a card or a letter, an encouraging note is very important. But but I, I'm kind of the face of the organization at this point, meaning that they, they will meet me and they'll know me. 
And then as we begin to build more trust, we can add more people around them. But really one of our goals is is not just to reach out to those senior adults. That's important. But then we're going to turn back, kind of the second part of our mission is to turn back to the community, and particularly churches in the area, and say, hey, we've got a need for a senior adult that lives near your church. Would you uh, consider coming out and helping us minister to this uh, senior? And they could do that in a number of different ways. They could uh, give a ride to the to church. They could give a ride to pick up a prescription. They may uh, we may ask some small groups to help us mow mow a yard or paint a fence. All of these ways are, are ways that we're touching that senior and showing them that we care about them, that they're not forgotten, that they're not uh, left out of the community, which many of them feel that they are. So, in reaching out to these uh, senior adults or mm-hmm. people, then basically in the area that they live in, you're trying to establish that they can go to a church in their area and build those church groups. Absolutely. So we, we have a number of partnerships with churches here in San Antonio. We try to get folks connected uh, to a church. You know, with now with what's happened because of COVID, a lot of churches are offering uh, online programming and offering online uh, small group discussions, live group discussions. We try to get them connected to that if possible. In addition to that, we've started a couple of our own Bible studies where we actually go to certain areas of town. We have one on the west side of San Antonio near downtown. We have one on the north central side, and that's an opportunity to have seniors, these seniors come together. Uh, We get them there by giving them rides to it or offering ways for them to get to the Bible study because we know that it's important that they get out of the house and have a social component to their life and uh, meet with other folks that are in their age bracket. And, uh, and and then we get to share the gospel with them. And we get to take them right now. We're going in one Bible study. We're going through the book of Genesis. The other one, we're going through the book of Luke. So do me a favor. Uh, quote for me, Luke 10.27. Luke 10.27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So in, in this, I noticed that uh, what you reach out with is to people who are experiencing grief Divorce, maybe loss of a job, uh, chronic or terminal illness, loneliness, food insecurity, and things like this, correct? That's correct. Let me give you a couple of important facts that people don't realize. Loneliness is a pandemic in America, and it's particularly um, hard on our senior adult population, those that are homebound. People don't realize that before the pandemic, two out of every four Americans over the age of 70 were lonely and isolated. That number is now three and a half. 3.5 out of 4. So almost every senior adult that's living at home without transportation, not having enough social interactions is particularly lonely, and it's deadly. Uh, Loneliness is a deadly uh, pandemic in this country. People don't realize that this population is one of the fastest-growing populations for committing suicide. Now, seniors don't commit suicide like other younger Americans. They don't uh, take dramatic action like you might see in a younger person, but they stop taking their pills and they stop eating. And so it's very important that we connect with them and remind them that they're a valuable part of our community. And that gives us a great opportunity then to talk with them about a relationship with Christ, which we know as Christians is the ultimate solution to loneliness and isolation. And that is uh, what we try to focus on. Uh, here's another important fact. The CDC has recently determined that loneliness, this, this, this severe loneliness I'm describing, is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's very dangerous to the health of the individual. And so we're trying to reach that population. We're trying to connect with them. I know that, um, I mean, I could relate to that in a big way. My grandmother, she was 93 years old, and um, she lived with my mom, but she was extremely lonely. So what she would do is complain that she had pain, so she would take pain pills so she could sleep all day. Right. 
And that was one of the things she did. And it ended up that she told me one time that pneumonia is a, a, like her or an aging adult's best friend. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really strange, but you know, she got a cold one time at, on a Sunday evening, and she decided she's going to quit eating. Well, at ninety three years old, and I didn't understand this. Yeah. But my mom, who's a nurse, said, "Well, you know, when you stop eating or drinking, your organs shut down a lot faster." That's correct. So by Thursday morning, Thursday she she passed away. Yeah. So that that's a that's exactly the kind of scenario that I'm describing, and that, and that's what happens many times with our seniors is they become so disenchanted with where things are. Nobody's reaching out. A lot of people ask me, "Well, where where are their families?" And the answer is sometimes the family is near, sometimes the family is far, lives across the country. But, you know, we all need to be able to socialize and communicate with people in our own age bracket, and that's helpful. It makes you feel like you're wanted. And so that that's part of what we try. I'll, I'll read you another important statistic. A lot of the recent studies have shown that these uh, this loneliness uh, and isolation really dramatically uh, affects people and moves them into dementia and depression and anxiety much quicker than the rest of us. Uh, there's a lot of studies that are showing that it increases your ability or, or the, the likeliness of having heart conditions. And so this is closely tied to a lot of the health conditions. And, and as you might expect, many of the folks over 70 already have a number of health conditions. So I'm talking a lot about the health conditions, but I want to make sure that, that the, the listeners are clear. All of those things are symptoms of, of the physical person. What we're concerned about is connecting them with uh, a relationship with Christ. And so loneliness is what we go after, but we do it in a way um, to be able to share with them the gospel of Christ. Yeah. I mean, like my grandmother, back to that real quick, she had really no health conditions. She could have lived to 100 easily. Right. But her best friend, her last friend who was alive, because she had outlived all her friends, uh, what had just gotten cancer to such a bad degree that she couldn't even visit her. So she yeah. really had no more friends at all right. that she could visit. And even though she had family, that wasn't it. And uh, Yeah. Well, getting out of the house is important. And, and, you know, a couple of ways that we do that is we have a wonderful partnership with the Bulverde Spring Branch Senior Activity Center up in Bulverde. They have been gracious to loan us their van one Thursday a month and their wonderful van driver. And that gives us a chance to take 12 seniors out on a senior day trip or a field trip, kind of like what you might do in your younger days in school. And that field trip might be going to Blanco for the day or Fredericksburg. It's a great opportunity to get people out. And we're doing some similar opportunities downtown. We have a number of friends that help us with... um, uh, funding that and, and some ways to get that accomplished so we can get them out and take you, you'd be, be surprised what it's like to get a group of seniors sitting in a restaurant having dinner together that might sound like a common thing for you and i alan but for a lot of these seniors they haven't done that in years uh, and so just getting them out of the house is very important so what kind of senior activities or trips do you take well we've taken trips to curva we've gone to fredericksburg we've gone downtown to the riverwalk several times um we try to do things that are easily done by folks that are on walkers and wheelchairs and scooters. And so we have to always make sure that that is accommodated. But but it's it's a wonderful time to get out. And, and, I, and I invite volunteers to go with us because it's important. Seniors want to sit and visit with folks and find out what's going on outside of what they see on television. And uh, for many of them, television is is kind of that connection they've got to the world. And as we know, that's not a real good connection. Yeah. Uh, they're getting lots of uh, worrisome information from the television. So other than loneliness, what other kind of um, areas do you key in on? 
Well, um, I tie loneliness and isolation together, and they're really different. Loneliness is how you feel on the inside. Isolation is how you feel externally because you don't have people around you. We're trying to tackle two of those things. But we're doing that in a way uh, by saying, join us in intensive Bible study and discipleship so that you can understand better what Christ has prescribed for us as a solution to that. We know that uh, humanity's fundamental problem is that humanity is not reconciled to God. And that reconciliation creates, that irreconciliation creates uh, depression and anxiety and worry and all these things that we have talked about with seniors. So we try to really spend a lot of time with them. You know, I said earlier that, uh, or maybe I didn't say it, relationships move at the speed of trust. And so as we've built trust with these seniors, we uh, are helping them understand that you can reach out. And it's, it's wonderful to see seniors begin to pray with each other. And seniors saying, hey, I've gone through that, or hey, my children have gone through that. Can I call you? Can I? I have a number of my seniors now who we're still seeing them and we're participating in the life, but now they're reaching out to other seniors on our list to say, hey, a year ago I was feeling pretty blue and I wasn't feeling very good and, 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 and just getting out and talking with Shane and his volunteers has helped. And, uh, you know, please be open to a phone call from somebody. Please be open to uh, having a conversation with somebody. And that's that's been quite helpful. Okay. And you also mentioned that you help with food, what you call it, food insecurity. Well, sometimes sometimes seniors have food insecurity. Now there are a lot of programs out there that'll that'll get food for them, but you know transportation is the problem. Now, so so if a food bank says we've got food for you, but you can't get it to the senior adult, then that food's not really uh, fixing the problem. So uh, what does that look like? Sometimes we have volunteers that'll help bring food to a house if they need it. Uh, we have some seniors where we're actually doing the shopping for them, where we go to HEB or we go to Costco or Sam's and get some supplies and get them to them. Um, so that that's what I mean when I'm talking about food insecurity. I mean that they, you know, people will say, well, you know, now with HEB, HEB will deliver to the door. Why can't see? Well, first of all, a lot of the seniors don't have computer. They don't have the technology skills to get online and order that. So that's kind of ways we can stand in that gap, and and that's an easy way for a volunteer to help. A volunteer could say, well, let me let me log into HEB and order this food and we can get it to their house. Let me ask you a question, because uh, this brought up something that I thought I always thought about. Because there's a lot of senior adults who have computers and, you know, they can do a whopping email and yep. that's about it. Do you have or do you know of uh, or can you figure a way to even help them learn how to do things like order and yeah, like absolutely and, and that's part of what we would try to accomplish in this one-on-one relationship when we go to a senior's home and we get to know them i don't we don't like to come in with a prescribed set of here's what we're going to do we want what we want to evaluate in here is what are their needs what, what, what what's going on in your life that we could provide some relief with it may be that well i haven't had anyone that, that I can count on to mow my yard for some period of time. So maybe what we're going to do is help them do that for a short period of time, and then maybe we'll also help interview a, a, a safe and a secure lawn person to take over. And so sometimes it's just us being that, uh, I don't want to call it a caregiver, but that really good friend you can count on that will make sure that the roof work you're getting done is not being taken advantage of. So when it comes to technology, Yes. I mean, we have had some seniors who have said, hey, I'd like to learn some new technology skills, and you know, we would like to have more volunteers that could help us with that. Uh, probably can't do that in necessarily a classroom environment. Most of that will be done one-on-one because every one of their needs are different. Uh, I, surprisingly, uh, many of the seniors are very good with technology. Uh, they're good with using their phone, and they can de- definitely get on the Internet and search, and they can definitely do emails. Uh, 
Uh, but sometimes you have folks for various reasons. Uh, we have a number of, of um, seniors who are blind. Uh, we have one that's deaf, and so that presents some unique challenges in how you connect with them with technology. Especially with smartphones. Smartphones are easy. They don't have Braille. In there. Right. But you know what's funny? Um, every senior that I know that has a phone is talking to their grandkids or their kids on Zoom or on one of these deals. So, so they're already used to that technology. So we're even talking about maybe initiating an online Bible study where people from around the city could connect through Zoom. And we're going to try to launch that sometime this year to get folks connected that way. That's cool. Yeah. Now, so your website is uh, www.project1027.org. Dot org, that's right. Okay. So and uh, if anybody wants to go there, they can see Find out what you're about. What you actually, you even have a statement of faith in there as well as your uh, mission and what you do. Or if you're uh, listening to this program and you don't know where that is, it's easier to go to my website. It's at thebelieversjourney.com. Go to the guest uh, page, and there it is, right there. You can just click on the um, on the logo there, and it goes right to your website. As mm-hmm. well as I put a phone number on there, so if they needed to call, your number is right on my on my page as good. well. Good, good. So. Um, so tell us more. How does somebody who is in, in a need get a hold of you and, and express? I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of senior adults. I'm probably one of these kind of people if, that I wouldn't want to feel like I would want to call someone to help me. Yeah. Because there's a matter of, I don't know if it's pride or I want to, you know, you just don't do that yeah. kind of thing. Well, you've hit the nail on that. Self-referral is very unlikely. I don't hardly ever get a referral from a senior asking for help from themselves. Usually it's a family member. It's a friend. It's someone in their neighborhood or community that says, hey, I'd like you to go by and visit my friend Ralph who lives over here. And sometimes that's usually then what that starts the ball rolling is usually I'll make a phone call to Ralph, explain who I am, ask him if we could have further conversations, and usually kind of use leverage the fact that your neighbor asked me to call, your son asked me to call. Uh, a lot of the senior centers in town, we're developing relationships with them, and they can refer folks to us. And so you're, you're, you're right. It, it, it's, it's not very often that we get uh, a senior that would call for themselves. It's usually coming from someone around them that says, hey, I'm living out of town. I can't be there a lot. My dad's lonely. My mom's lonely. Would you consider uh, stopping by Invisible? And it's important to have that validation because, as you might know, a lot of people are calling senior adults, and a lot of people on occasion are coming by trying to sell them something. So we separate ourselves from that by saying, we're not asking you to sign anything or do anything to make you uncomfortable. We're just asking if you'd like to have a friend. And uh, we start the relationship that way. I know it's my, my mother, she's 85, and uh, she lives in Southern California. And she lives by herself. My brother lives somewhere around there, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm always asking. I call my mom about once a week or so, and I always ask her, are you getting out? Are you going to? So she's always, well, today's my card day. She, yeah. she goes out and plays cards. Yeah. Um, and then she has a day where people come over. So she knows that it's important to have activity. Right. And I bug her about it all the time. Yeah. So during COVID, it was interesting. Um, so she actually came and lived with me for about 10 months. And uh, so we had two senior adults. I guess I'm a senior adult, two or three, maybe my wife, four. We're all together in the house, and so we got to interact, and there was stuff going on until she actually went back to California. Yeah. But I think that's such a, a, a need, and I see that with my own mom, and I really saw it with my grandma, especially after what happened with my grandmother 
totally healthy, totally lonely, and yet she had family all around, yeah. but she had no friends her age yeah. to really connect with. Yeah, very important. And, and again, that's that's kind of what we're trying to do is just get folks connected to, to other resources. And I want to make sure that I'm stressing enough because I really think it's important how other Christians can get involved and how other people in the community can get involved. This is not a one, a single directional deal. This is a multi-directional operation in the sense that the volunteers that volunteer for us will tell you they're getting as much out of this relationship as the senior adult. Uh, this is a mutually beneficial relationship. We have a number of volunteers that are in what we call the one-on-one relationships where they're spending uh, a lot of time with one individual. We have some volunteers that like to go on our trips with us or like to make multiple phone calls so they can interact a little bit each week with different folks. But they're getting something out of this too. They're getting the, to, to learn the history of this person. They're getting to walk with them and journey with them through trials and tribulations in their life and vice versa. Uh, I see a lot of cards and letters now coming back the other direction, coming from the seniors writing to the person that's contacting them. Thank you for calling me. It's been great to to visit with you this week. One gentleman recently told me, you know, the phone call I get from that volunteer is the only phone call I get every week. And right. so these are important interactions. But it's but it's a, it's a great benefit to the volunteers as well. They're getting something out of it. So um, you mentioned about uh, Bolverde and Spring Branch, the activity center there. Mm-hmm. So do you connect senior adults with activity centers in different places? Of the- I try to. Uh, I try to. Uh, I have a particularly strong relationship with that one because, number one, I personally live out in that area. Number two, they were quite instrumental in helping me get a number of the first set of seniors that we uh, started to minister to. We started riding with the Meals on Wheels program, which comes out of that facility. As you know, Meals on Wheels is a wonderful organization all across San Antonio, and that gave us kind of a way to, to, to go knock on some doors with them. But, but I always try to get folks connected to senior centers in their area, the folks on the west side, the folks downtown, because, you know, a lot of seniors say, well, I don't, I don't want to do all, you know, they've got this whole calendar with all these activities. Well, you don't have to do all the activities, but maybe you just decide you want to go play bingo on Tuesday, or maybe you want to go have lunch once or twice a week. And many of these senior centers have vans that will pick you up. So it's about getting them out. Uh, it's about getting them out of the house. Also uh, connecting with important, with, with, with well, fundamentally sound churches in the areas that they live to say to them, hey, let's let's see if you can't get over to the Wednesday night Bible study because that's important to get you out. So yeah, we try to connect with different organizations. Well, I know there's a lot of senior adults that, you know, would like to go to evening Bible studies, but they cannot drive at night. Right. And that's, that is a huge issue. I live in Bolverde, and every so often I drive by that senior center. Yep. It really looks cool. I mean, I have to tell you that, you know, um, I feel too young to go. <laughs> and I'm really, really busy anyway. <laughs> yeah. But I know that I... That I fit, but I, I wouldn't. Well, they have lots of cool stuff going on. Matter of fact, I'm really bragging on them, and they're they're wonderful people there. I know all I know all of them that work there very well, and they have an outstanding program. They've got Zumba classes. They've got all kinds of dominoes going on, and cards, and all kinds of other functions. It's it's a fun place to be. Um, I, I'm a little too young to join, although I'm trying to prompt them to let me in <laughs> because I like going over there too. Uh, but no, th- th- those are wonderful activities, and, and it gives a person a chance to get out and do something. Yeah. I think there's another senior, from what I know, there's another senior area off a of Thousand Oaks in a 3-2 area. Right. Senior centers all over town, um, and, and, and many of them don't have 
uh, or, or all of them have capacity for more people. I've not talked to any in town that said we don't want we don't want more members. They all want more members, and so I think that's an important component to to a senior adult finding a way to get out. Yeah, I know the church that I'm I'm going to at Fellowship of San Antonio. We have a huge uh, population of senior adults. Yeah, um, they've even even flowed over into my class. So, yeah, uh, it's a, it's really a big. Uh, thing there, so I'm sure that people are very active because I know that some of the people that go to the class at senior adult class came from a church that I was in, and they were really active mm-hmm. and so forth. So, and um, one of the things I wanted to bring up, so the people that uh, you reach out to, they don't have to belong to a church or be a Christian. No, no, we don't require that of them at all. We. Um, you know, I have, I ask them all about whether or not they'll be comfortable talking about Christ and about the Bible, and I respect their wishes. I've not had any at this point that have said no. They're at least open to hear uh, what we want to present to them. But it's not a requirement. If someone says to me, I don't, I'm not interested in any of that, and I just want you to come by and visit, the answer is I'll still come by and visit, and I'll still call you, and we'll still try to mow your yard if you need help with that. We're, we're going to try to help you in any way we can. We're going to try to show you the love of Christ whether or not you accept that love or not is really up to the individual. So let's say that I'm, I'm looking for a company or ministry to volunteer in. What would you say to me about your your uh, ministry? Well, I, I uh, we, number one, we need volunteers. Um, that's that's the most important thing we need, and we need help in many, many ways. And what I would do is I would sit down with you and find out what kind of time commitment you want to make per week. It, can you give me 30 minutes? Can you give me an hour? Can you give me more of that? And then we'll try to tailor fit something that works for your schedule. We always need volunteers that will make a phone call. So I might say to you, Alan, would you be comfortable calling another senior adult man once a week, have a 30-minute conversation, Check in with him, see how he's doing, ask him, is he taking his pills, ask him, is he eating well, ask him what's going on, has he been praying this week, is he interested in Bible study? Just having a conversation. So that might be one way you could volunteer. You might say to me, well, I'm not really good on the telephone, I don't want to talk on the phone, can I do something else? Yes, uh, we would need you maybe, would you be interested in maybe sending some cards or letters in the mail to a couple of senior adults? In that case, I might give you two or three. And then number three, how about how about if you had two hours available on a Thursday, how about riding around with me one afternoon and get in the car and let's go meet four or five seniors and you can go with me when we make our visit so you can get to know them. Number four, you might could uh, uh, help us with some administrative work. I have some people who have said, well, what can I do to help? I'm not good at getting out, but I've got an hour in the evening on Tuesday nights. Maybe you could help us with some administrative work. Um, we also need volunteers to go with us on our trips. Sometimes we you know, we go once a month or so. We need someone to just go with us just to befriend the seniors. So there's a number of ways that you can get involved. Uh, I, I have some senior adults who, who still need some help picking up their groceries at HEB and then taking it to their house. Maybe that's something somebody, that, that's, that's a very fluid opportunity. It doesn't have to be done at a certain time. Um, and then once a month, we offer a Saturday morning work day. We're on a certain Saturday each month. We post that on in our, in our newsletter. We say to the community, come out and help us love on a senior adult. And we come to their house, and we did this just two Saturdays ago, where we mow the yard and mulch the leaves and cleaned out the gutters and then just visited with the senior for a little bit. And that makes a tremendous impact on a senior adult. All that's done for free for them. We're not asking them for any money. So in this case, uh, we had almost 20 people that showed up at this house to just 
almost overwhelm the senior with how much love. I mean, people from spread all over San Antonio. So there's a number of ways you can invo- you can get involved. I try to say this all the time. I'm going to take every excuse away for someone who says I can't volunteer because I don't have the skills. If you're available, we'll put you to work. Now, when you mentioned mowing the yard, now you're not talking about senior adults mowing a yard, are you? I'm talking about our volunteers coming and mowing the yard. That's what I mean. So we bring volunteers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so we may say to a senior adult, hey, can we come mow your yard this Saturday? And, and that would give us an opportunity to come do that. So, so if kids can come, we have families that come and help us with that. Or painting a fence or whatever they need. Uh, in, in this case, we did some light cleaning inside the, inside the home. Could be any number of things. Uh, one one Saturday we had a, had a gentleman who wanted, uh, I haven't been to Home Depot in a long time. Could you have some volunteers come by and take me to Home Depot and just spend a couple hours letting him shop and get what he needed? That's a way you can volunteer. Now, do you also seek out or need uh, financial support? Well, of course. I mean, it, all nonprofits need financial support. I mean, we are, we are, we are funded through individuals and churches. Uh, that help us on a monthly basis. That helps us pay for the food that we provide to the seniors. It helps us uh, buy Bibles and, and, and tracks and do all those other things. So, of course, uh, anyone that would want to help us, we'd, we'd be honored to, to have that help. And, and, and I say to folks all the time, we, we love small contributors. I mean, 10, 15, 20, 25 bucks a month is a wonderful donation that helps us extend this uh, to more and more people. This is a really great ministry. I, I really, when I met you, you know, a few weeks ago, I was really impressed. Well, thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate so, it. Um, but I, I looked more into your ministry, and I just, I think you really have a, a key ministry here. I think that is probably needed throughout the world, not just, not just here in the United States or here in San Antonio. But you know, I go to Moldova every year. People know that, and. Um, there's a lot of senior adults that live in villages that need that this kind of outreach. Right. Well, Alan, I want to tell you an important statistic, and that is this, that senior adults still pray to receive Christ late in life. I mean, we have this perception in America that, you know, Americans still say, oh, 86% of Americans still claim to be Christian, and we know that's probably not accurate because our country doesn't act like that. But we, we've had we've had a number of senior adults in the last 12 months um, make public professions of faith, some being baptized. And so there is still a harvest field there. The harvest is very wide in this population. They're nearer to that date when the Lord is going to call them home. And so they're maybe ready to make that decision that they weren't ready to make in their 40s or 50s. And so I need folks that will come alongside and help us evangelize and share the good news of the gospel. I need volunteers that will come along and start new Bible studies and help us. I'd love to have 10 times more Bible studies than we have right now. What do we need to do that? We need a volunteer that would commit to a certain location in San Antonio to show up and teach on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday afternoon or a Friday evening or whatever's available. You know, it's so true. Back to my grandmother. I love this. I have lots of stories about my grandma. Of course, she was just really to my heart. But when uh, she was 90 or 91, a couple years before she passed away, I, was, I went out to... Um, visit and I was taking her to lunch and when I, I go out there I always take her to lunch and so on our drive back to the house she'd ask me so what is out there I mean what do you mean is what is out there she's you know like after you die mm. so you know that they think about it sure you know it's on their mind and so it just so happened I was able to tell my grandmother well you know it's all about making Jesus Lord of your life it's all about 
She mean, and she said, like a heaven and a hell? I says, well, exactly. And so mm-hmm. we got to really explore that, you know, together. Yeah. But I really, you know, I think a lot of people don't know, don't understand, or they've been given enough to where they just, it's in the back of their mind. And then as they think about mortality, yeah. you know, these things come up in their mind. And sure. Sure. Well, with these seniors, a lot of them, their mortality is standing right in front of them. You know, they're looking at uh, failing health. They're looking at declining mental capacities. And so they're recognizing that if I'm going to make a decision, I best do it soon. And so I think it's I, I think it's been a wonderful opportunity to share the gospel with this with this crowd. So what moved you to work with seniors? Well, that's a good question. I think um, um well, I can tell you that it really was the Lord uh, in a hundred percent, a hundred percent, in His ability to change my heart. You know, if you, if you, I know we don't have time for me to share my whole testimony, but I, I spent a lot of years as a healthcare executive and, and and doing what most Americans do and making and gaining assets and living and functioning, and I didn't do a whole lot for the kingdom of God. I was pretty uh, selfish in those days and was just focused on taking care of my own family. But the Lord began to change my heart about seven years ago, and I felt the calling to move into ministry. And I know it was the Lord because it wasn't just a passing feeling or a passing phase. And I have some wonderful friends in town, and we began to knock on doors on the east side of San Antonio and uh, share the gospel with people. And I kept seeing over and over, Alan, when we knock on these doors, I kept seeing senior adult men and women coming to the doors. And we would get into conversations with them, and they'd fall in the category like we're talking about. They didn't have family around. I noticed their yard hadn't been mowed. I wasn't sure they were eating well or had enough food. And so I began to see this need. And I think the Lord began to change my heart to realize that this is a this is a population that's kind of been forgotten. Um, there's a lot of federal programs to help them, but when you can't get out and you can't drive to get the the, the assets or to get the food or get the, the supplies and the clothing, then how do you get it to them? And so uh, the Lord began to just stress on my heart that it, take it to them, take it to them, go to the door with it and see if you can help. So that's really what changed for me. And then, um, and, and then as you might expect, I mean, I just started seeing this tremendous need around town. Uh, there's no shortage of senior adults yeah. that need help. And that's usually the Lord opening your eyes. That's Right. Right. It's interesting. I'm not. I'm not a real. I'm not gung ho on federal programs at all because the dip for me the difference is we pay the taxes for the government to do it or we get involved and let God bless us as we are blessing others. And I think there's a whole different dynamic there that we get lazy about and put off if we don't actually take part. There's something in your. In your were you going to say something? No, go ahead. Okay, something else that you were going to. You said on your on your website. I really like, and this is this is the quote: "By offering a helping hand to those in need, we desire to see lives transformed by the saving hope of Jesus Christ." That's right. And I think that is so cool. I like that quote, so I bolded it and made sure I was going to say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, we are passionate about that. I mean, we really we really use. Uh, the love that we share with people as an opportunity to talk with them about the most important relationship they have, and that's the relationship with Christ. Because, you know, listen, we can deliver food to people, and next week they'll be hungry. We can deliver clothes to them next week, and they'll have no clothes. We can pay rent and utilities and things that we can help with, and all those are temporary. But unless Christ is invited into their life and they become a new creature, a new creation, 
then we've really not helped them eternally. And that's what we're focused on. We're focused on helping people make that decision. We're, 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 we like to just be the introducers to say, hey, we'd like to introduce you to a relationship with Christ. When people ask me, why do you do what you do? Well, that's because I just answered it. Because I can tell you, Shane is just like anyone else. I mean, I, I have selfish, I, I, I would rather, you know, if, if it was just me, I'd rather do other things. You know, I'd rather go to the coast and I'd rather retire and go fishing and travel the world. Those are things that my flesh would like to do. But I'm compelled to do this. Uh, because Christ has done something in me because I've seen what he's done in my life and how he's changed my life and my desire is to share that with other people. Project 1027. Yeah. Um, uh, Look on their website, look in our mind, go to it, look through it and uh, if you feel like the Lord is leading you to be a volunteer or if you need someone to help you, this sounds like a really nice ministry. So I... I highly recommend this. Thank you. Thank you. So so let's go on to our Bible topic now. It's on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I actually want to read the passage. I don't always do that. And this is kind of a longer passage. It's got 12 verses or 13 verses here. <clears throat> and and it's something that's very interesting. We, we talk about the Good Samaritan, and we always key in on the Samaritan himself, uh, who's doing the deeds. And sometimes people key in on the, the Levite or the priest. But I think the key is the very question that was asked in the very beginning in verse 25. Because that's what Jesus is dealing with. And the ver- question is this. It was a, a lawyer, and he so, says this, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and testing him, said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And I, I think this is the key, not the when we get into parable. I think right. what Jesus is doing, he's, he's kind of fitting in to the guy's asking about eternal life. And as he gets into the, the um, commandment, then he goes in further. And I think that we've got to keep that question still in focus mm-hmm. as we look through. That's my opinion. Of course, this is your passage. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me read this. And he said, Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? Uh, what is your reading of it? So he answered him and said, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. And this, uh, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself to, and said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then he gets into this in verse 30. Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise a Levite. And when he had arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil oil and wine. And he he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and looked uh, and took care of him. Uh, on the next day, he departed and took out two denarii, gave him to the innkeeper, 
and said to him, take care of him and whatever more uh, you spend, when I come back, I, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he answered, he who showed mercy on him and then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me, what, what is this in your mind? What, what does this say to you? This... Well, I think you're very accurate. And, and, and I describe this parable as one of the most misunderstood parables in the Bible because just what you said, on the surface, what Jesus, is to, Jesus uses a parable to teach. We know he uses parables to teach because he's trying to tell a hidden meaning. And, and, and the lawyer doesn't get it. Uh, and most of the crowd doesn't get it. And in today's world, most people don't get it. This is not about social justice. People try to, today in the American church, people are are tilting this towards this being about justice. This is Christ doing street evangelism. What he's saying to this this lawyer is, yes, you're right. That is what the law says, that if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors as well, you will, in fact, inherit eternal life. But, Alan, nobody can do that. I mean, the lawyer couldn't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. Nobody. We've all missed that mark. What I think Christ is trying to compel this lawyer to understand, the only way you're going to have the kind of compassion in your heart to go to the side of the road to minister to a person is I'm going to have to give you that compassion from the inside out. And I think that's what the lawyer missed. He doesn't at the end of this parable suggest or at the story that the lawyer hung around and got it right. I don't think he did. And so I think that's part of what we see in this parable uh, is that this, this is about a relationship with Christ. That's the important part of it. It's not, uh, it's about a change in a life. It's about how to, how to, none of us have the ability to get up every day and manufacture the kind of compassion that's described in this parable. I mean, let's look at what this man did, the Samaritan man. I mean, he came over to the ditch. He bandaged up the man. He took what we believe is oil and other products out of his own saddlebag, which he would have needed for his trip, and used them on this man. Then he set him up up on his own donkey, walked him what we believe to be about an eight-hour walk to the next community, and then paid for not only his stay, but paid for what would have been equivalent to a 30-day stay. I mean, two denarii in this in this period of time. So it'd be like you and I finding someone on the side of the road today here on 281 where we're located that needs a ride, and we do more than that. We get them in the car. We essentially empty out our wallet when we get to the next town with them. We, we pay for their hotel stay for 30 days, and then we say to the hotel keeper, hey, at the end of this, I'm gonna, I, we've got to go on a business trip. We're going to be back in a month. I'm going to pay for whatever other services this man. I mean, this is unbelievable, lavish love that we can't manufacture on our own. So Christ is giving a scenario. This is a game of limbo. You know who wins in limbo? The only people that win in limbo is the people holding the pole. Well, God has the pole set up here on the law so high that you and I can't get it. And I think it's important that we recognize that we can't meet that criteria. That's why we're in need of a savior. He's trying to point out to this lawyer, you need a savior. That's how I see the parable. I see it a little differently. Um, however, going back to the commandment, and something you said I agree with totally, it's all about the relationship. But I think, like for example, when Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God. Now, when you talk about love the Lord your God with, God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind. In other words, with everything about you, love God. What does right. that mean? That means we're, you're establishing a relationship that you are giving your life to Him 
which is a connection of relationship, which I, which I believe of the day and, and today, there are so many people that miss that. They think yeah. about it as, oh, loving God is going to church. Loving God is, is uh, giving money to the church. Loving God is, you know, praying or reading my Bible. And, and it's not that at all. Yeah. It's that connection of I'm, I'm in this relationship. All of me that is my giving to him, which is my worship. All of him is all of me. Is he is totally supreme and preeminent in my life. Right. I think that's where they miss it is in that very first part of it. I know in, it's in Matthew, I believe it says, and the second is like unto the first, where this one says, and, yeah. and to love your neighbor as yourself. But when, when Matthew says, and the second is like the first, that means to love your neighbor with all of your being. Yeah. You know, it's the same because he's it's saying the it's the same thing. All is all. All is all. All it's is that, all. It's that connection. Every second, every day of every minute of my life, which yeah. I haven't done. And I and, and it's hard to, I can't do, meaning that I, I'm not going to meet that criteria. And so I think we're saying the same thing. But I mean, the point being is that it, I, I believe he's saying to us that you have a tremendous need for a Savior because you can't have that kind of, you know, you and I might have that kind of compassion today on 281, but tomorrow I may pass the same person and not stop. So I didn't love that neighbor with all my heart. I loved him with only a piece of my heart. And so uh, the point here is, is you know, I, I, think, I think this is a wonderful passage because people say all the time, well, I, you know, is it important to share the gospel with people and to do evangelism? Well, this is an example of Jesus doing that. He's trying to suggest that he does the same thing soon. Remember with the rich young ruler who comes to him and says, ask the same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does he tell him? Give all of your, give all of your uh, assets and stuff to the poor and follow me. Man didn't do it. Uh, he walked away sad. One of the only references in the scripture of someone walking away sad. But he's he's trying to help these folks understand that you can't follow the law and, and, and live according to the law and meet that requirement and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and my picture of the law is, is probably different than just a requirement of, of do's and don'ts. My, my understanding of the law is that it represents the relationship of us with God and us with other believers. So even like even the rich guy, the rich guy, uh, Jesus, and when he says, what do I do? Go to heaven. He, tell, he gives him these lists of the law. Mm-hmm. Well, I've done all that. I've done all that. But when he says, then, okay, well, then get everything you have to the poor and follow me. He couldn't do that. What does that say? Well, that means he, the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments, he's totally ignoring. Right. He, because now his God is his money, not God. Right. And I think that means to me that God is not, he is not in the relationship with God. Right. And so same thing with here is where is the relationship with this lawyer? Well, it's not about a relationship. It's, it's about the followings of, of uh, legalism, right. basically. Right. And they've made, just like in today's world, in, in a lot of our churches, but in that world, you can see that Jesus struggled, Paul struggled, Apostle John struggled with the idea that the people, the law was perverted and corrupted right. at the time, and they're dealing with people who are living out in that corrupted law. Yeah, you know, uh, what is loving God? Oh, loving God is you know giving my tithe and going to church when I'm supposed to, or synagogue when I'm supposed to, and the temple and and observing the the holidays. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's not true. Yeah. You know, that, that's just legalistic, you know, mumbo-jumbo that will not have anything to do with eternal life. Right. And I think what Jesus is saying here is more than just, he's giving the commandment, but the commandment has the meaning of it's a connection of relationship. Yeah. And I think the lawyer here doesn't see it's a connection of relationship. Right. That's obvious. He's looking at it as a to-do list. Exactly. He's seeing it as a to-do list. Exactly. And, 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 and you get the same response from people today when you talk to them about Christ, people that don't know him already. When you ask them, uh, what do you think it takes for a person to inherit eternal life? Or we might ask it today, well, what do you think it takes to go to heaven? I don't know if you've had the experience. I've had this. People start listing out things. Oh, well, listen, I'm a very good person. I've done some good things in my life. I go to church, as you said. I've given some money. I believe in karma. They have a, but but what's the first what's the first letter of every Everything is the, the conversation starts with the letter I. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where we get off base. It should start with He. That's yeah. you know what's. It's not about what I did. It's about what Christ has done, and that's the the point of salvation. And, and I think that because this this parable is perfect in in this whole idea of um, are we living in a religious activity or religion in itself, or are we living in a relationship? with God, and with others. Right. Because uh, the way that um, Apostle John, John write, writes in First John, it's about loving God and loving other believers. Right. In fact, the entire Old Testament, when it talks about the Jews and the commandments, it's about honoring God, living in within God in this relationship, and loving your neighbor, your the other believers, and the same kind of factor. So it's all about relationship. And somehow, somewhere, good old mankind decides to change this relationship because they don't understand it into religion because they can understand that. Right. It's turning it back into a a to-do list. Yeah. Uh, if If I somehow build this stairway to heaven by my acts, by my kindness, by my goodness, by whatever you want to call it, by my deeds, and, and that's as you know, that's where all these other religions come from. I mean, the Muslims, of course, believe that if somehow my good outweighs my bad, it's a scale, and, and that's really what I think has is influenced the American society to feel like, well, if I've contributed to the Red Cross or I've done all these things, no, no, that's where you get off base. It's not you do those things as a result of what Christ does in your life. It's about the fruit that's on the tree. I mean, yeah. I can't manufacture that fruit. I can't make myself love senior adults. I can't make myself have patience with people I don't want to have patience with. I can do that for a short period of time. In in a sprint, I can do that. But in a long run, I can't do that in a marathon. And I think that's where you can then begin to see fruit in people's life. And that's why I think Paul gives us those guidelines to say you can tell the identity of a following believer because you see long-term fruit. Yeah, and Jesus said the same thing. Right. You know, you'll know them by their fruit. You know them by their fruit. And uh, and even John says the same. And Peter, all the all the writings, epistles are full of this. It's it's full of the idea of of the relationship with with God. It's really amazing how we miss it and misconstrue things. Uh, I'm writing a, a paper about Christianity. Is it a religion or is it a relationship? And I'm I'm uh, basing the fact that it's a relationship, not a religion and giving all my stuff yeah. to do yeah. that. And I think that we live in not just a society today because we can see the fallacy and the problems in Jesus' day. Mm-hmm. 
And we can see the problems even in the Old Testament when the Jews kept turning to religion rather than relationship. And yet God from the beginning, from the very beginning, set up a relationship with Adam. When Joseph talks about his God, you can see it's about relationship. When David talks about relationship with God, it's not about the... Even when he says the statutes are perfect and they give life and liberty, we're talking about relationship. Sure. And I think that for some reason, human nature tends to bring us back to the idea that we have to do these, as you put it, to-do list, you know, the do's and don'ts, the religious aspects, and that's going to save you. I went to a pastor one time. He says, what, what, is, a, what is a Christian? Yeah, he said, a Christian is a person who goes to church and reads her Bible and prays and gives tithe. That was his answer. And I thought, and, and I walked away thinking, I don't know, but that doesn't sound yeah. right. And now I look back and I, I can't believe there are pastors that really teach that. Yeah. Because it's, it's so, mis- it's wrong. Sure. You know, and I, and unfortunately, we have millions of people walk around with to-do lists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they think they think that, well, if I do like this guy did, I do have a to-do list, I'm, I have eternal life. And that's really, we got to go back to that first commandment right. about loving God with all right. of your being, which right. is a connection of relationship. It sure is. You know. It sure is. It's about relationship. And I, th- and I think that's what Christ is pointing out here, as you indicated. He, he, he's, he's helping, a, he's, he's hoping this lawyer can see and recognize that he can't, he can't accomplish the to-do list he set himself to do. And the only way to do that is to enter into a relationship with Christ. And as I said earlier, when you talk to folks about a relationship with Christ and ask them, what do you think it takes to get to heaven? Almost always people will start laying their resume out. Well, let me tell you first all the things I've done, as if that matters in the mm-hmm. eternal. It does not. Um, it matters after you've accepted Christ. I mean, I think Christ then starts... You know, I mean, the relationship is such that he, he, he is expecting you to behave a certain way going forward. But that expectation of your behavior is not a requirement to get into the relationship with Christ. It's about yeah. entering into a, relation, a free relationship. So it's really interesting, too, how Jesus uses a Samaritan, which a Samaritan uh, are hated by Jews. And the reason is, is because it happened to be a person who was a Jew who married a, a Gentile. Sure. And it doesn't mean that they were not believers. I mean, if if we understand the scripture, Jesus was here to preach to, to talk to, to heal the Jews. He meets a woman from Samaria at the well and goes into Samaria. Okay, so this woman's a Samaritan woman, and she he goes to preach and teach in Samaria. Right. And again, the way she talked is that they they were looking for the Messiah. They obviously her idea of life was in the Old Testament, was in the Scriptures. It wasn't like she was a lost person. It was that she married outside the faith, or yeah. or the group somebody married outside the faith. So I think that we need to understand these were not necessarily sinners apart from from Christ or Judaism. These were people who were outcasts because of their sure. marriage. I mean, they never outcast Solomon, and he married outside right. the faith. 
<laughs> well, I love I love in verse twenty nine when when the attorney asked the second question, wanting to justify himself. He said, "Who is my neighbor?" He's trying to get Christ to limit his neighborhood. What he's trying to do is say, "Okay, I'm okay with loving on other Jews and other people that look like me and act like me and talk like me, but you're surely you're not suggesting that I have to love on." these other people, whoever those other people are. And Christ basically says your neighborhood is worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not just your neighborhood. Well, you know, and it's it's interesting because there's a lot of Christians that think that, you know, we're set apart a totally away from everything. And yet uh, one of my things I teach on is that Christianity from really is at its core Judaism. Because Christianity in the first century it was about Jews who came together to worship Jesus as their Messiah. And so when you had the five sects of Judaism back then, which were the Pharisees and Sadducees and so forth, then you had the believers of Jesus, which actually became a sixth group of Jews. Mm. And it wasn't until about 100 years later when the Jews said, you know what, they won't, these Gentiles won't follow the, the law, we're out. And it became a, Jew, it became a Gentile following. But originally, and even Paul says in Romans 11, that we are grafted in. He's talking to Gentiles. We're grafted into the vine where the Jews are. So we're together. It's just that a lot of Jews, and mostly for the centuries, reject Jesus as the Messiah. But those who don't, we're, we're together. We're brothers and sisters with them. And I think that if we can grasp that picture that it's much more than what we think, like here... You know, the Samaritan is much more than what he is mm-hmm. in reaching out. He's he's part of humanity. He's part. Of, he's another person who obviously it doesn't say this in the in the parable, but looks like by his actions loves God. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thought. Really good thought. You know, I said something earlier about social justice. I want to just make sure that I touch on that again because. I think today what a lot of the younger folks are being taught is that somehow if you engage in making sure that everyone socially is getting the right justice, that somehow that will lead you to a path to heaven. And it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. I mean, if you engage Christ and you have a relationship with Christ, he compels you to be concerned about other people that are downtrodden. And, and so I think that's the devil lying to folks getting things backwards. Again, it's somehow I'm going to be active in making uh, sure that things are uh, effectively working socially as if that somehow that's building another to-do list or another ladder. And that's not what Christ is teaching. Christ is concerned about the downcast and the downtrodden, just like I and you are as followers of Christ. But that's a result of what Christ does in my heart. It's not an action that I take that prompts something in Christ. You see what I'm saying? It's a it's backwards. Right, and that's true. And I think that when we see in, in Isaiah where it says, our righteousness to God is like filthy rags. We cannot yeah. reach the level of righteousness that God expects or, or desires us to do. However, he does tell us to be holy as we're holy. Sure. We are told to live, walk in the Spirit. In other words, become like Jesus. So these are choices that we make. I don't believe we can walk around and say, well, I'm waiting for Jesus to change me, so then, then I'll be okay. We have to make the choices in Romans 12.1, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. In other right. words, that's a, those are choices that we make. Right. But as we make them, we have Jesus there to, and the Holy Spirit there to give us the strength and the power and the guidance and the wisdom 
to go the direction that God right. wants us to go. Right. So I, I think it's a joint, joint thing. I, I think you're right. There are too many people thinking that I do the good thing, so I'm, I'm okay. But then again, if we don't do the godly thing, it's like when I say, uh, I've taught this before about repentance. People think repentance is feeling sorry for your sin. I can feel sorry all day. If I don't change something, I'm still just feeling sorry. Right. It, and it's not even about giving up the bad things in life. I could give up smoking, drinking, cussing, fussing, boogieing all night long, you know, the whole nine yards, you know. It's a good Elvis song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I could do all that. But it still isn't. It's still not repentance unto God and to Jesus making him Lord of your life. That means I'm just giving up bad things, trying to do good things. Right. Again, the Bible says our good things are not good enough. Right. What we need to do is give up our direction of life and turn toward the direction that Jesus is calling us to and go his direction. Mm-hmm. That's true repentance right. unto God. That's correct. Repent and believe, he says, both, but yeah. he, repentance first. Uh, You've got to yeah. repent and believe, before you can believe right. I, I agree with you. Well, we're just about done. Any last comments? Um, I can't think of any last comments. We've, we've just about talked this one out, hadn't we? Go and do likewise, he says. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, that's hard to do. You can't go and do likewise outside of Christ changing you from the inside out. You don't have the ability to go and do likewise. Well, that's why we lean on the scriptures when it says that the Holy Spirit will give us the power. He'll give, you know, he'll teach us all things. He'll guide yeah. us into all truth. And we need to rely on the scriptures. Scriptures, they give us the answers. They totally give us the answers of how we could do this Mm -hmm. and do likewise. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that with with all my heart. So, well, that was good. It was an excellent program. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I enjoyed it as well. So, anyway... Um, thank you for joining us today. I hope everybody gets uh, really blessed from this program, and you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. And aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.